Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. He has done great things. He has done wonderful things. If anybody could sing that, Brother Philip should be able to sing that tonight. Mighty you are. Not only is that for Brother Philip, but it's for each of us that are here tonight. He's Almighty God. I believe he has something special for us. Let's just go to him in prayer. And we'll turn to the Lord, Lord, the Word tonight. Father, Lord, what a what a joy that we have that we can serve you, Lord. Free from pretenses, Lord. Free from shame and worry of what others may think, Father. God, I can backtrack my life and surely, Lord, I have a reason have a joy in my heart. There's a shout of the king on the inside. God, I was heading one way, but now I'm headed a completely different direction. Lord, many here tonight, Lord, they were headed a different road, but Father, you came by. You stepped on the scene, Father. You turned their hearts and their lives around, and Lord, we can sing it tonight. Mighty, mighty you are. Holy you are and worthy you are, oh God. Lord, that's what we want to do. We never want to be caught on the sidelines not worshiping our Lord. But Father, may you find our worship pleasing and our our praise. May it be a a sweet-smelling savor in our nostrils tonight, oh God. Lord, as we commit this service now to you, we ask that, Lord, you'll anoint the lips of the speaker and the ears of the hearer, Father. Those on the stream and those present, God, may we just cultivate an atmosphere of worship tonight. And just allow the Holy Spirit, as we already feel him, him here tonight, Lord, just to have your way, Father. If we give you of ourselves, Lord, our time, our gifts, our talents. And Father, we ask that you speak to us tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to look in Leviticus. <clears throat> look here in Leviticus, and we're going to, Leviticus 23, and we'll start at verse 1. Just going to read the first three scriptures, or the three, three scriptures here, then we'll have you be seated. It said, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them concerning the feast of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feast. Six days shall, shall work be done, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It is the day of Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. God bless you. You can have your seats this evening. And I want to take just for a topic tonight, Feast of Freedom. You say, well, Brother Joe, I don't find that in the Bible. You're exactly right, but that's okay. Feast of Freedom. This word feast here that we picked up on in uh, the second verse here actually means a properly and an appointment is a fixed time an appointed time or season specifically a festival so i want you to clue in here so this is a feast of freedom and the word festival is a day or a period of celebration typically a religious commemoration 
A lot of times people want to put things over us as Christians and, and, and we're afraid to worship, afraid to, to let go, afraid to allow the spirit to move. Even here locally, there's some times that we come and some of us, and I'm not here to criticize tonight, but you bring a wet blanket with you to the house of God and you need to take the wet blanket, dry it out, and then come and fan the fires. So we find here, though, that when we look through Leviticus 23, we find that there are seven feasts that are mentioned. There's the Feast of Passover, which is the Haggadah, which is actually the Feast of Freedom. That's where we get the, the title tonight is the Feast of Freedom. See, the Passover is a Jewish feast or a Jewish festival or a Jewish celebration of their freedoms. It was celebrated about the same time as Easter, and it lasts typically seven to eight days. And during the Passover, Jews around the world, they remembered their freedom from slavery in Egypt. Notice, they're not in Egypt anymore, but they recall the time that they were once slaves. And if there was ever a people that should be able to recall a time that you were once slaves, but now you're no longer a slave. And what does it do? It causes a festivity. It causes a celebration, a celebration of worship, a celebration of praise, a celebration of adoration. You're not concerned about the critics. You're not concerned about the pharaohs. You're not concerned about the murmurs or the Complainers, why? Because you are no longer in Egypt, but we are free. And so this is a commemoration that we are no longer held by man-made ideas. We're no longer held by sin's chains, but we have been made free by the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's a feast of freedom, a celebration of freedom, a celebration of your liberties. Think about Brother Philip, nine years He's been a born-again believer. Nine years, some of you a lot longer. But don't you ever forget that day. Don't you ever forget that day when he came and so sweetly wiped all your sins away. And don't forget that day when you strove and you tried and, and you come through justification and you come through the process of sanctification. But one day, Oh, that day, that appointed day, he came down and filled your life with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You want to talk about a celebration. You want to talk about you can't hold yourself. You don't have the power within your own humanity to keep yourself. But he sent you down. The Holy Ghost for one purpose is to keep you. Notice we find that there's a feast of unleavened bread. There's a feast of the first fruits and the feast of weeks and the feast of trumpets and the feast of atonement and the feast of booths or the feast of tabernacles. Seven feasts. God thought so much about these that he caused a celebration. Now some of you, how many of you have been watching the Chosen series? Raise your hands up good and high. You know the Jews know how to have a celebration. They're not afraid of what others are thinking. You see them dancing around in a circle. Or you see them, you know, we hear about the Sabbath and we hear about this and the, the Sabbath and all these other things, the Shabbat and, and all this. And yet they experience, they're not worried about the criticizers. 
They're not worried about those that murmur and complain. Why? Because they are bound to the law. And there was a set law there that on this certain time, at this certain day, at this certain hour, you are to do a feast. You are to remember that you're no longer in Egypt any longer. You were held there 400 years, but you're not there today. Let me tell you, you got to remember too, church, that you're no longer in sin. Those things that the devil's trying to hold over you, he's trying to put the memory of your yesterday into your today. But all you got to do is remember that God had made a way and you need to begin to celebrate what God has done for you. Come to the house of God with an exuberation. I'm here to worship. I'm no longer in chains. I'm no longer in fetters, but I have been made free by the blessings of Almighty God. See, the major theme of these feasts is gratitude. See, an ungrateful heart is an unfeeling heart. An ungrateful heart is an unloving heart. An ungrateful heart is an unbelieving heart. An ungrateful heart is a disobedient heart. And they had these set feasts. And it was to be grateful that I'm no longer in bondage. To be grateful for what God has done and what God will do. If he was God for you yesterday, he's God for you today. And he'll be God for you tomorrow. Don't worry about what you're facing. Don't worry about because you don't have the answers. God will provide the answer at the right season, at the right time. Just celebrate with God. Celebrate what he's done for you. Trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all thy ways, trust him. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will protect you. He will heal you. He will deliver you. And he will fill you with the Holy Ghost and give you a reason to shout. A reason to celebrate. You know, Brother Brandon would tell us that the believer, the Christian, should be the happiest people on the earth. So we're going to put a sign on the door. We ain't really going to do that, I'm just telling you. Smile when you come in. Smile when you worship. Smile when you're seated. Say amen, it's okay. But we find an ungrateful heart is a heart that can't feel. An ungrateful heart gets covered up with bitterness and grudges and complexes and doubts and all these other different things. An ungrateful heart. Because if you're not grateful to God for what he's done for you in your life and you're afraid to testify what he's done, oh my, I don't have no qualms with testifying where I was at and where God has done for me. Nor do these brothers up here and nor do some of you. But see, an ungrateful heart it's a heart that it gets smutted up because it doesn't remember where they were. It doesn't remember the life that they once lived. It doesn't remember that they needed a Savior. But notice now, we're going to look here just for a little bit. We're going to delve off into Leviticus just for a little bit. You know, I'm not a teacher, so don't worry. Leviticus 23 and verse 4. And these are the feast festivals. I want you to get. So when we think about feasts in the South, we think about a seven-course meal, don't we? Like dinner on the grounds, man, there's all kind of food. 
We ain't talking about that kind of feast, though that is prepared with them, but it's a celebration. So I want you to think in your mind as I'm preaching this, this evening, rather, when we bring the word feast out, think of a festivity. Think of a celebration. Some of you holding on for prodigals. Let me tell you, I'd begin to celebrate right now. I'd begin to worship right now. I'd begin to think in God right now. Why? It may not appear that they're there, but you got a promise laying in the word that they and their offspring shall be there. I'd begin to celebrate. Celebrate, Brother Aaron. I begin to praise God. I begin to call the fatty of the feast and kill the fatty calf and invite others to come and worship with you and praise God with you. Notice now, these are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their seasons. In the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover, the feast of freedom. It starts. It starts with freedom. It all starts with freedom. Notice now, and on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Unto the Lord, seven days you must eat unleavened bread. Notice now, Brother Brandon would pick up and he would, on God's only provided place of worship, he would tell us, seven days eat unleavened bread. No leaven shall be found amongst the bride. No word added, nothing, no nothing. Remember, one word caused every death that's in the earth. Every illegitimate child was born because of Eve, the first church, the bride of the first Adam. She doubted God's word and accepted a denominational or an intellectual or a school of exceptions of it because it was reasoned out. So we find now through seven church ages, there was no mixing of man's idea in the word. So we're to eat unleavened bread, not man's idea, but God's holy word. Keep it pure, keep it clean, keep it away from man's touching it and man bastardizing it. But we gotta keep the word holy. And he said for seven days, seven church ages. And that's why we're here in the final age with the pure word, with the pure message. And we're rejoicing in a pure liberty where Christ has made us free. We drop down to Leviticus 23 and verse 9. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, Notice, not if, but when you be coming to the land which I give unto you, and ye shall reap the harvest thereof. Then you shall bring a sheep, and this is a heap or a measure of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest, and he shall wave the sheep before the Lord to be accepted for you. On the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Notice the sheep could not be presented until they got into the land. See, some of us, now we're not, we're not gonna criticize your jump or your shout because that's what we believe for. We're gonna believe for your jump and your shout and your real experience. But he's, notice here, they could not present the sheep or the wave offering until they came into the land, until they planted the seed and the crop. And then they took the first fruits of it and they took it to the priest and he would wave it over the congregation. See, God established this feast. He established it with the memorial uh, that they have come out of Egypt and this is just the first fruits of what God is gonna do for them in the land. But it all starts taking place around. They had to leave. 
Come on, somebody. Some of you need to leave some of the old dead pots that you're in. Some of you stuck in depression. Some of you stuck in grudges and bitterness and all these other things. Some of you stuck there. Some of you need to get up and pack out and leave the Egypt that you're in and realize God has called you to be free. Some of you men need to leave that pornography site and realize you have been made free tonight. Leave it behind. You're being called out. And the feast of the first fruits was a memorial that you're no longer in Egypt. You have been called. And this is the first fruits of the land. And what did God do on the day of Pentecost? God poured down the Holy Ghost as the first fruits that there was going to be more coming. This is only the beginning, but I got more for you. There's going to be a harvest at the end of the road. See, God established this feast. He wanted it to be a time of celebration. He didn't expect him to come dragging in. Well, my goodness, it's church today. No, they were excited. They're in a new land. They're in a promised land. Oh, my, there's untapped resources in this land. Notice, they come out of Egypt. They come out of the hardships. They come out from under the rule of the taskmasters. They come into a land that God had promised. And the wave sheep, Brother Brown would tell us, the wave sheep is the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. It is the first fruits. Oh, my church. God thought so much of it that he established a time of celebration around it. And people don't want us to get excited when we get the Holy Ghost. Oh, my. They want you to be all starchy and icy and formal and indignant and all this other kind of stuff. You get to sit there and just shake your head. This is church. You can't hear nothing but the preacher. No, you're out. You're free. That's, a cele- that's something to celebrate about. How many of you have ever been to jail? Oh, don't put your hand up. Thank you, Brother Jackson. Got one of my corner. You know, I went to jail before. Now, just bear with me. I know where I'm going here. Some of you are like, oh, how long ago was that? It wasn't last week. <laughs> but before I got safe, I was down in New Orleans. We all familiar New Orleans about Fat Tuesday. It was about that time. I was down there, and I was putting on a good drunk. I was hanging out with a bunch of college friends, and we thought we'd go down and take in Mardi Gras. Dumb mistake, but I done had me about two or three of these hurricanes, big drink. I'm I'm telling you a whole lot you don't need to know, but anyway. So, you know, this lady comes by. She was a lady, but she was a man on a, she was really a, she was a butch (laughs) on a horse. But Timmy, she come riding by, she bumped me. I was like, hey, watch that horse. And she, she was an officer, but I was drunk. It didn't matter. And so I was like, hey, and I patted the horse. She said, don't touch that horse. I'm like, okay. Man, and I said a few choice words with that. You can't believe it, I know. So anyway, she come after me with that horse. And she caught me and picked me up like this, and I was on my (laughs) tiptoes. Hey, she was more than a man. She had me rung up. She was on Top Cops the next week. Y'all know what that is. Don't look it up, but she was there. So anyway, they hauled me down to the paddy wagon. Brother Jackson to the paddy wagon, and they beat me, and they kicked me, and and they punched me, and they chunked me in that little paddy wagon with one other guy. It was dark, and I was drunk, and I was scared to death. So they take me to the New Orleans Police Department, Brother Tim. 
I was like, oh, Lord. But thankfully, they didn't put me behind bars. I sat out just about like this. There's people all over the place. There was lonely, not lonely. They were homeless people. There was uh, murderers. There was child molesters. There was drag queens. There was all kind of sights in the New Orleans Police Department in Mardi Gras. And so they brought in a guy. He had just killed his wife. And so there was another college guy behind. He was right there next to me. He was from Georgia Tech. And I said, hey, buddy, you watch my back, I'll watch your back. He said, deal. Well, his back got cleared a lot sooner than mine. He got out of there. And I was like, ho, now I'm here by myself. And my friends, they went back to Baton Rouge and left me there. And I'm like, no, you ain't leaving me here. See, that's what I'm trying to tell you tonight. They left me in an unforsaken place, an ungodly place. And even though I was in a drunken stupor, I realized I don't ever want to come back to this. I don't ever want to come to this place ever again. There's all sorts of life. And what am I telling you that for? Because if you've ever been in bondage, then you've ever been released from it, you'll know daggone good and well that you don't want to go back to that. You don't want to go back to that life. You don't want to go back to that place. Why? Because God has broke the chains off of you, and now you are free. Let me tell you, I ain't never been to jail again. It cured me. Not too long after that, I got saved. Praise the Lord. I didn't know it, but he wanted me to go to jail so I could tell you that testimony in the service tonight. God has a sense of humor. Really, that ain't why he did it, but nevertheless. So now we go down. Feast of weeks. Leviticus 23 and verse 15. And you shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you have brought the sheep of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths, shall be complete even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall you number 50 days and you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. So the first fruits was poured out on the church seven Sabbath ago or seven church ages ago. See, that was the first fruits declaring that there's coming a harvest. There's coming a time that there'll be more that comes to maturity. And see, we're not in the day of the first fruits. We're in the day of the Pentecostal feast. See, the Feast of Weeks is also called the Feast of Pentecost because it was 50 days after the Sabbath. It was 50 days after the Passover, excuse me. So we're not living in a time where God is first now pouring out the Holy Ghost, but we're living in a day when God is coming to harvest a bride. God is coming to draw out a bride. It's the time. We're living in a time of freedom. If there's anybody on the place of the earth that should be free and declare their freedom should be the bride of Jesus Christ tonight. We should be the most happiest people that there is in all the land. But, Brother Joe, you don't know what I'm going through. I know I don't know what you're going through, and I know that it's heavy, and I know that it's real, but I also know you're not where you used to be. I know that you're not in sin anymore. You're not in denominational change anymore. God has released you, so no matter where you are, God is in control. God is leading you. God is guiding you, and you're free, so you might as well worship. You can't change tomorrow, so worship God tonight. Notice, we find here in Deuteronomy 16 and verse 9. We're going to look at the Feast of Weeks from a different aspect here. Seven weeks shall thou number unto thee, and begin to number the seven weeks from such a time as thou beginnest to put the sickle to the corn. And thou shalt keep the Feast of Weeks unto the Lord thy God with the tribute of a freewill offering of thy hand 
which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God according as the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, and thou shalt rejoice. Oh, you mean I got to rejoice? That's what it says. Thou shalt rejoice. You mean it's okay? Yeah. We got word. We got a promise. We got inscription for it. Notice this word rejoice means to be glad, to be joyful, to be full of cheer, to brighten up. Brighten up. To be gleesome. Y'all, how many of y'all like to be around negative people? Don't nobody raise your hand or shake your head. You're like, no, negative people bring you down. But here we're promised. Here we said, thou shalt rejoice before the Lord. Thou shalt be happy before the Lord. Thou shalt be free before the Lord. Notice now, and thy, notice who all is supposed to be this way. Who all is going to rejoice? See, thy son, thy daughter, thy manservant, thy maidservant, the Levite that's within thy gates, the strangers, let me tell you, and the fatherless and the widow that are among you in the place which the Lord thy God has chosen this place to put his name there. Everybody should rejoice. Let me tell you, you may have came here heavy tonight but that doesn't give you an excuse not to rejoice you should rejoice in the Lord and let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord notice now in verse 16 and thou shall remember here's where we're cluing in on thou shall remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt thou wast a bondman that's what you were that's not what you are tonight church you were in bondage but today you're free you were in sin but today you've been liberated you did have those thoughts but today those thoughts are free from your mind so you were a bondman you were once held in sin and chains and shackles depraved humanity man's ideas man dogmas man-made creeds Lives of the enemy, complexes, bitterness, grudges, depression, tormenting spirits. But you are not in Egypt anymore. You're not in Egypt. You're not a bondman anymore. So quit acting like it. Quit acting like it. Take that slave mentality out of your mind and put it under your feet tonight. Because you're no longer a slave. Notice now. So that's all we're going to look at in Leviticus tonight because we could go on and on and on, but we have a great teacher back here that can bring the, the truths out of all that. But we're going to look here, and the Bible would tell us, the Bible, the prophet of God would tell us, let me go back, in the Feast of the Trumpets, he said, now, the Jews have been blinded, waiting all this time while the Pentecostal first fruits have been poured out upon the church. See, and we come down through the martyr's age, down through the reformer's age, and now the calling out age, three sections, same spirit like Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, same one, but seven church ages, it's being seven Sabbaths, exactly seven. And he says now when he's revealed himself as a son of God, he's been revealing it to the church in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Down through the ages in the Pentecostal age, see, just keep getting more and more justification under Luther, sanctification under Wesley, and the baptism baptism on the Holy Ghost but we find under the sixth seal when the sixth seal opened there was persecution struck the Jews and it struck them in a literal sense but it strikes us in an ecclesiastical manner right. anybody can say amen to that right some people are waiting on the squeeze I'm like what are you waiting for we got it it's here 
Look around. Get your head out of the sand. We, the squeeze is on, church. It's going home time for the bride. We ain't waiting on the squeeze. We, we're being squeezed right now. We're being squeezed into an atmosphere. We don't want to be here anymore. We notice now the bride is persecuted from an ecclesiastical standpoint. She's attacked for her stand for the word. She's attacked for where she stands on this word. Notice, many have attacked this word. Many have attacked our message. Many have defected away from it. And they're so purpose now. They're so full of venom. They're so full of animosity. And all they want to do is destroy the effects of this message. Let me tell you what the effects of this message will do. It'll take a dirty heart and it'll clean it. It'll take a man who's bound for hell and put him on the road to heaven. I'll tell you what this message has done. It'll clean my life. It give me a godly wife. It give me a great family. It give me a wonderful church. It give me great friends. I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll do more for you than all that bickering, all that backbiting, all that fussing, all that grudging, all that bitterness. It'll do it for you. It'll clean you up. That's what this word will do for you. You want to criticize that? Go ahead. I'm testimony tonight that this message works. I wasn't born into it, but it was born into me. Oh, my. They want to criticize, but this bride will withstand every attack. She's going to weather every accusation. Say what you want. I'm not looking at you. My eyes are focused on Christ. Notice she's been criticized. She's been made fun of. She's been chastised by many for standing for the full word of God. Not just that intellectual understanding, but the full word. She's been called fanatic. I know none of y'all are fanatical. She's been called holy roller. She's been labeled Pentecostal with a derogatory implication. No matter the attack, though, she's not turning back. This means Brother Aaron did such a great job last week preaching on total war. Bring your attack. We ain't turning back. We're staying with this word. We're staying with this message. We're not going to go off on man's idea. We're not going off on some fairy tale doctrine. We are staying right here on thus saith the Lord. Where there's a jump in the Bible, we're going to jump. Where there's a shout in the word and the shout of the king is in the camp and we got something to shout about, we're going to throw our hands up and we're going to shout. When you cross through the Red Sea and you realize you're no longer in sin, you can grab your tambourine, Mary, and you can have yourself a tambourine dance, a jubilee dance, a Red Sea go, hallelujah. You can cross the Red Sea again and realize all your taskmasters, each and every one that has ever lied to you, that ever deceived you, that ever tried to strip your, your joy away, they're dead in the sea. And you are free. Don't let somebody quieten your praise. See, the attack on the church today is no different than it was when they left Egypt. You notice they had some of their own kindred complaining and murmuring. Moses, you brought us out here. Moses, we don't have enough to eat. Moses, we don't have nothing to drink. Moses, Moses, Moses. Brother Tim, how would you feel if everybody in here came to you each and every day? My God, that'd be awful. You may resign. (laughs) 
Moses was stuck. He was God's leader to bring him out. And now they want to complain. Moses, you take too much on yourself. Moses, Moses, Moses. And that's what we find today. Some of those would rather go back and live in bondage than live in freedom, than suffer a few hardships along the way before they got to the promised land. And some, look, being a Christian is not a, a flowery bed of ease, church. We know we've all had our struggles. And we're all going to face more struggles. But the end goal is what we're pointed to. And just as sure as God brought a bride out of Egypt and took her into a promised land, and those that came out, they wasn't hindered by the critics. They wasn't hindered by all those that spoke evil and how she worshiped and how she danced. There's going to be a bride called out of this hour, out of this generation, out of this age, that she ain't looking at what the critics say. They can get on YouTube. They can get on whatever, whatever social media they want to get on. They can blast this church. They can criticize us for being too loud. They can criticize us for being too emotional. They can criticize us for being too free, but I'm telling you, you can never be free enough, and you might as well start enjoying it. I don't care what the critics say. I'll dance for the Lord if he wants me to. I'll shout amen, because why? I know that I'm not in bondage anymore. I know that I've been set free, and the shackles of sin have been stripped off my life. My brother Joe, Do I really got to act that way? Do we really got to do that? Do we all have, no, no, we don't all have to do that because we're not all alike, right? Some of us are more enthusiastic than others. Some of us, let's just be honest, some of us are more free than others. If you can ever get this thing right here free, then these get free, these get free, that gets free. Oh, but you got to release this thing from the prison that you put it in. The prison of your doubts, the prison of what others are going to think about you, the prison of, oh, you got your fears, you got, oh, you did this so you can't worship. No, the Bible would tell us, or the, the prophet of God would tell us that we fall every day. All that comes short of the glory of God, but we don't just rest on this. This thing here has got to be free. And Paul said, I die daily. He died to this thinking. He died to his humanity. He died to his thoughts. He died to his upbringing. He died to his intellect. He died so that he could be free. And church, we got to die so that we can be free. Die to yourself. Die to your own ideas. Die to your complexes tonight. Die to all those things so you can experience the feast of freedom. It's a feast you don't want to miss. Oh my. Notice Mary Magdalene she came to a, a feast and there was Jesus sitting there with dirty feet and the Pharisees all oh, they were just complaining. Murmuring, look at her. What's he going to do? Is he going to condemn her? Did he jerk his foot back? No, he didn't. Some of you need to come on up to the feet. Start washing. He won't jerk his feet back. He enjoys it. Notice what the prophet of God will tell us. No, Jesus don't do things that way. No, no. He never pulled his foot back. Oh, he sat right still and watched her. She was doing for him what they've ought to done. Yeah. Now, here's a warning to the critics. And you be careful calling somebody a holy roller 
who's doing what you ought to have done. Don't you think you're just a little better than they are now? So he's saying, don't you be guilty of calling somebody a hola roller, criticizing the youth because they get a little excitable and they run and they dance and they shout when the movement of the spirit goes and sometimes it's in the flesh. I did not walk up here in my spirit. I walked out here in my flesh. So you got to get in the flesh before the spirit can come. So sometimes some of y'all need to get in the flesh, loosen up those old joints a little bit so the spirit can come and start offering up a God of sacrifice of praise. He ain't going to pull his foot back. He's waiting. He's desiring to be worshipped. He's desiring your sacrifice of praise. She knew what others were thinking about her, but she ignored the critics. She ignored the Pharisees. She ignored everything. But see, the prophet of God say, if these big starchies won't worship God, God will pull out of you poor people. He will get somebody to do it. He will call sinners and harlots from the street. Somebody is going to worship God. I'm going to tell you, God will call a backslider back tonight. He'll call the prodigals back tonight. He'll call sinners off the street tonight. He'll call the wayward tonight. He'll call the harlots tonight. Somebody is going to worship God. They ain't going to worship because, oh, I grew up in a message church or I grew up in a Christian home. No, they're worshiping because they are free. They were once held by sin. They were headed to a devil's hell and a sinner's grave. But almighty God came by and broke the chains and he cleared the dead. And now they are free. He said, I've seen jumping spells. I've seen joy spells. But there was nobody hurt. Mountains rung out. Sun went down. Everything took place. But there was nobody hurt. Well, my goodness. If ain't nobody getting hurt, let's just jump in. We got nothing to worry about, right? Notice now, I've seen meetings where the power of God was revealed to the people that they were free from the world, the things of the world, and the joy of the Lord filled the congregation. They stood and they screamed and they cried and they shouted to the top of their voice for the glory of God. I never did see anything disorderly. They was always right in order, and hence the reason, because they had recognized that their name that had been written on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. I'm afraid the reason some of us ain't got no joy, we ain't looking over finding our name. Come on, church. Brother Tim's been preaching we are the people of the open book for humpteen services. If you ain't looked over and saw your name, it's your own fault. John said, when I saw my name, when that book became open, he looked over and saw his name. He said, everything in heaven, everything below, everything in this, oh, hallelujah, everything heard I, John, worshiping. Why? Because John realized that dead of sin was paid. He wasn't going to hell, but he was going to heaven. He knew he had passed from death unto life, and now he was free. He was not going to be with the condemned. He was not going to be punished for his evil deeds. Let me tell you, that's worth shouting about. That's worth having a feast, a celebration. And see, John, notice, I want you to notice this. I don't know if you've ever noticed it. Maybe you have or not. But notice where John was. Notice John's congregation. Let me say it, his audience. When John got a little liberated, 
them joints got loose, tongue got loose. He got filled with simulation because he saw his name there. He saw that the sin debt has been cleared. Notice John was so happy. He didn't just sit quietly, how some of them want us to do. We got the revealed word. We just need to be reverent. John was sitting, or may I say standing, in the presence of the one who sat on the throne. Okay, John was also in the presence of a strong angel. John was in the presence of four beasts and in the midst of the four and twenty elders. And John was in the presence of the lamb who had been slain before the foundation of the world. And if John can sit in front of such an audience as that and shout and praise God and rejoice because now he is free. What about even tonight tabernacle? What about the bride worldwide? Let me tell you, what an audience to worship under. The Lamb of God, the one who paid the price, the one who cleared your debt and said, now you are free. You're no longer held in chains. You're no longer guilty of those things. I cleared your debt and y'all begin to rejoice. Y'all begin to dance. Y'all begin to shout. Oh, hallelujah. Everything hurt John. Go ahead and criticize YouTube. I don't care. I done saw my name. Mama didn't put me there. Daddy didn't put me there. My pastor didn't put me there. The favorite preacher didn't put my name there. But the lamb, oh, hallelujah, the lamb put my name there. And the lamb put my name there. You can't take it out. You can't take it out. You can't take it out. Nothing can remove my name. What am I telling you? are free tonight. You're free tonight. Because he struck it off. He struck it off tonight. And John is a type, <coughs> excuse me, John's a type of the bride. Oh my. And this bride refuses to be shamed into thinking that her excitement and her emotion that comes from the Holy Ghost is wrong. Well, God don't do those things anymore. Too late. He does here. Now, he may not with you. Maybe you ain't where you need to be, but he works here. Amen. He works here. Yeah. Oh, we're, we, this bride refuses to back up. She refuses to back down. She refuses to bend. She's going to stand with the Lord. She's going to stand on her stance that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the same size, the same wonders that he did yesterday. He's the same God today. She refuses to back down on preaching the full word of God with signs and wonders and miracles following. She refuses to bend or compromise. Let me just say it like this. She will preach the message. She will manifest the fruits of the Spirit. She will continue to have prayer lines so people can get delivered. She will continue to have altar calls so some sinner can weep their way to Calvary. They can come to Christ and know him and be freed from the debt of sin. She will worship God in the way that they want to call heresy. She's not worried about it. Notice now, she will not be back in bondage again. Never again. She has received a token. Do you know that slogan, never again, originated a long time ago? And there's a poem called, Never Again Shall Masada Fall. 
It's a slogan the Jews had. Never again. It derived from a poem in 1927 called Masada. See, the poem is about the siege of Masada in which group of Jewish rebels, they held out against the Roman armies according to the legend and they committed mass suicide rather than be captured. But the slogan reemerged again in the 1940s. See, 1941 to 1945, Nazi Germany's allies murdered about 6 million Jews. See, they tried to implement their final solution to the Jewish question. And the first use of this phrase, never again, in the context of the Holocaust was in April 1945 when the newly liberated survivors of the Bacchanal concentration camp displayed it in various languages and handmade signs. Notice, six million Jews died at the hand of an evil Nazi regime. All because of their ethnicity, because of their religious origin, their homes were stripped away from them, all their possessions were confiscated and sold, their guns were taken away, or they were deceived into turning over their guns so that they didn't have a way to protect themselves. Their businesses were shut down, they were forbidden to work, they were not allowed in education, they were treated as subhuman creatures, they were loaded on trains like livestock with 150 in a cart that should only hold 50, and they were shipped across the country without food, without water, without proper facilities, not even a bucket. They were sent to ghettos and they lived like animals fighting for every scrap of food that they could find. Some men, women, children, old, young were sent to concentration camps, to death camps, where as soon as they arrived, they were killed immediately. Some were sent to labor camps where they were starved and yet forced to work until they died of physical exhaustion. All this was done against their will. They were lied to. They were deceived. They were murdered. They were forced by an evil, satanic, dynamic a demonomic anointing and when those survivors of that concentration camp were free they vowed never again never again will we sit aside and let our freedoms be stripped away from us never again will we throw down our arms and not have a way to fight never again church never again will we sit aside and allow our fellow countrymen die at the hand of the oppressors without putting up a fight never again will be put in bondage. And let me say this tonight, church. Never again will the church of the living God be denied any promise in the Bible. Never again will she set and stand aside and the de- allow the devil to ramrod her and strip her of her freedom and of her rights. Her rights to the full word of God. Her rights to every promise in the Bible. Her rights to a supernatural experience. Her rights to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Never again will she set aside and watch her own people be destroyed by sin, by the vices of the enemy, while men refuse to preach the Bible. Men refuse to preach the gospel. They refuse to have prayer lines. They refuse to have altar cost. Never again will she sit lifeless and dead and just go to some concentration camp without putting up a fight. We will fight. Hear me tonight, church of the living God. We're going to fight and I stand like Churchill. We're going to fight on the beaches. We're going to fight on the landing ground. We're going to fight in the fields. We'll fight in the streets. We're going to fight in the hills. We'll never surrender. Oh, even I tabernacle. Don't you lay down your arms tonight. This is total war. Give me some volume up here. This is total war. We didn't come to, to mess around with the devil. We come to go on the attack. We're going to fight for our families. We're going to fight for our children. We're going to fight for healing. We're going to fight for deliverance. We're going to fight for joy. We're going to fight for peace. We're going to fight for the Holy Ghost. We're going to fight until these old bodies of ours have been changed and we're sitting at the wedding supper of the Lamb. We will fight, church. 
Why? Because we have been made free. Can I go just a little longer? Acts 1 and verse 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen in them 40 days and speaking, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, if you go a few scriptures up, we realize that Jesus had been with them 40 days. And he says, now I'm leaving, but I want you to go and tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you've been endued with power from on high. And we find in Jude, in verse, Jude 1 and verse 3, Jude says, now when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Notice, now let me just show what the prophet said. Jude was exalting the people that they should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the, the saints and if that was being about 30 years after Pentecost, such a short time. And he's encouraged them, get back to Pentecost. Come back to that same faith. And notice, they had fallen away from the faith in, such, a, uh, in such a, so much time. And he goes, now what have we done in these 1,900 years of all kinds of denominations and discrepancies and things that slipped into the church and caused these things? So prophet of God will tell us in Feast of the Trumpets, he said, there will come a messenger in the last days will guide the people back to the first fruit, back to the original faith. Grant it, Lord, that the great messenger among us now, the great Christ, the Holy Spirit, made vivid, made understanding, opening the word and revealing it to us. May he guide them back to the original Pentecostal faith like Peter said on the day of Pentecost. See, the original faith is the same faith that Jude is telling us to contend for. He's telling you, get back to that faith. Notice, we're not getting back to Azusa Pentecost. That's not the faith we're being exhorted to get back to. But we're exhorted to get back to the original Pentecostal faith. And you can't have the original Pentecostal faith with having the original Pentecostal experience, which is the first fruits. You got to have the Holy Ghost. What is the Pentecostal experience? It's the experience of freedom. You've experienced freedom. And he's accepted your worship. He's accepted your life. And he has sealed you until the day of your redemption. So we find now when they went to the upper room, some, how many of you ever thought about those that are in the upper room? Man, they were some supernatural people. You ever think about that? Man, they must have been something else. Peter, James, John, Mary, all these different ones. Man, people that we just, we put them up here. We think, man, they had no problems. But they went in the upper room just like you and I. They were men and women just like you and I. Notice, they were not perfect. Newsflash, neither are you and I. They had their own set of failures, their own set of struggles. They wrestled with certain things. They were fighting the greatest battle that was ever fought just like you and I. 
They went in. Some of them were afraid of the Romans. Some of them were afraid of the religious leaders. They were in bondage to the Romans and were afraid at the slightest infraction they'd be put to death. Or they were afraid of the Romans or the Jews because, or the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the law of Moses because they were afraid if they one slight infraction, they'd be stoned or they'd be this or they'd be that. But notice when Jesus said, go into the upper room or the city there and be endued with power from on high, they waited and they waited and they waited. They didn't get hurt because he didn't show up. They didn't get mad because he didn't show up. They didn't get disgruntled because he didn't show up. They came in there with all their failures. They came in there with all their baggage. They came in there with all their hurts. They came in there with all their grudges. They came in there with all their bitterness. But they waited until the 50th day, until the day of Pentecost fully came. And when the day of Pentecost fully came, what did he do? There came a sound like a rushing mighty wind. And they come out stumbling out. Looked like they had been drunk. They come out so drunk on the Spirit of God. See, the fullness of Pentecost came. There came such a sound, such a mighty wind, tongues of fire. The people come stumbling out of the upper room, no longer in bondage. No longer worried about the Romans. No longer worried about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, or who see or who didn't see. They wasn't worried about it. They got drunk on the spirit and didn't care what others thought. They didn't care what others did. They didn't even care. You know what? It'll do us a good good it'll do us some good if we just get drunk every once in a while. Oh, y'all didn't seem real amen about that one, did you? It would do us some good to get drunk. Now, I'm not talking about on strong drink, but I'm talking about to let go of your pride, let go of your complex, let go of your negativity, and take a drink. And when you're drunk once, take another drink, and take another drink, and take another drink, until you get good south drunk. Because you know what happens when you get drunk? You don't care about your enemy. You love everybody. Oh, you laugh because it's the truth. Oh, you've been there. Man, when I got drunk, I loved everybody until I wanted to fight them. But you love everybody and everybody loves you. You ain't got an enemy in the world. You ain't ain't holding on to yesterday. You ain't holding on to what they said about you. You're drunk. It'll do you some good to get drunk and let that bitterness go away. It'll do some of you some good to get, just take another drink and let that grudge just slide out of it. That grudge that you're holding on, it ain't doing nothing but hurting you. But if you get drunk tonight, if you can get drunk on the Spirit of God, get drunk on the Holy Ghost, you'll see that grudge move right off your life, that bitterness to get right off your life, and God will fill it with a heart of love. Oh, you come and you want to criticize and criticize the music and criticize the song leader and criticize the preacher and criticize the young people for dancing and criticize the running and criticize this and criticize. Get drunk one time. You won't criticize anymore. Oh, you'll get up out of that seat of the scornful and you'll begin to dance. You'll begin to rejoice. Why? Because you are free. You'll have that same freedom, that same victory, that same joy that they got. But you don't get it without drinking. You say, well, Brother Joe, I got to have a quote on that because that sounds real. We ain't supposed to drink. Let me just share one with you. Redemption and completeness. Completeness. They were full of new wine. That's right. The wine that came from God out of heaven. Did you ever see a drunk man? Man, he's just in love with everybody you see. He don't care. That's the way a man, when he gets drunk on the spirit, be not drunk on strong drink with excess, but be drunk on the spirit. The spirit of God makes you so drunk, you forget all your enemies and everything. 
And everybody is in love with you, and he don't care about who is standing around. You're the biggest man in the country. Notice, he says, I don't care if your neighbor sitting next to you went to some fine, dignified church. Just let the Holy Ghost get on you one time and see what takes place. Get right, real good, south drunk. Well, Brother Jones, that's not my nature. That's because you ain't drinking. You start drinking, your nature changes. Let me tell you, when I started drinking, I changed. I got happy. I got joy in my heart. Oh, my, I wish I could sing right now. Oh, man, I didn't care. Where, I'm like that little mouse. Where's that cat at? You didn't care who's the biggest man, the smallest man. You didn't have an enemy. You didn't have, you wasn't worried about anything. Why? Because you done started drinking and you wasn't stopping till the bottle was done. Some of you need to come to church and keep turning up the bottle until it's completely empty, until you start changing. Oh, your pride starts changing and everything starts changing. And then all of a sudden the bitterness is gone and the complexes is gone and the depression is gone and the fear is gone and the pornography spirits are gone and the lust devils are gone and all these other things ago just start drinking church and get good south drunk see you'll see what takes place you'll say sister I got it you want it too so you ain't afraid well Bam said Mary was in the upper room acting just as idiotic as the rest of them she got just as drunk as they did see what was going on in that upper room their emancipation proclamation was being signed God was recalling. You've been a slave. You've been in bondage. You've had this. You've had this. You had family strains. You had these fears. You had all these things passed on you. And they went in that upper room, and all of a sudden, he struck it off. He declared that they were free. They didn't just drag out. Oh, that was a bad service. He let me go free. I got nothing to rejoice about. They stumbled out. Oh, my. A feast of freedom. It was the feast of Pentecost, which is the feast of freedom. The feast of Pentecost, the feast of weeks. And here he is. Brother Bram will talk about the Emancipation Proclamation and every slave in the southern states. When Abraham Lincoln signed that document, he released every boy, every girl, every man, every woman, Every person that was a slave in those southern states could be free. You know what they did? There was an expected time. See, that's what the feast is, is an appointed time. And what they did, they knew on a certain day that they were going to be declared free. And so the strongest of them, Brother Aaron, climbed to the top of the mountain. And others climbed as far as they would. Look, little old grandmas, Brother Bram said, little old grandmas and grandpas, they gathered at the base of the mountain. Everybody came. There wasn't no missing this church service because why? They were about to be declared free. Free from all the years of bondage. They were pulled from Africa from the Boers and came over here and were sold. Some of them lost their families, lost their children, lost their spouses. But now they were about to be declared free. And the strongest of them would climb to the top of the mountain. And they waited. 
all night long. They waited with anticipation. They waited with excitement. They waited because they knew when that light broke that eastern sky there, they knew that they were declared free. And all of a sudden, the sun, S-U-N, rose early in the morning. I'm here to tell you. And they began to shout down, we're free. Oh, we're free. We're free until they got back to the base and all the grandmas and all the little kids, all of them were free, church. I'm here to tell you, God sent a prophet in this day and he climbed up to the mountain and they began to, call, to scream back at you, you're free. And the teachers took that message and they said, you're free. And the evangelists took that message and they said, you're free. And the pastors took that message and they said, you're free. What am I declaring to you, church? That the emancipation proclamation has been signed. You're no longer in sin. You're no longer held by man's ideas. You are free tonight. You are free. I'm going to end with this. I could go on. I got so much here, but we got to be mindful. I was looking at this. I was looking at this, and it came to my attention. I was praying. This is in works. His face expressed. Brother Brown said, I dreamed that I seen a man, a young fellow in shackles, and he was trying to get out. And I said, somebody told me, said, those are horrible people. Don't have nothing to do with them. And I seen this young fellow getting out of his shackles, so I just let him alone. I want you to pay attention to how he words all this. And I thought, and I said, I'll just see what he does. And soon, or he said, so when he got out, he was a nice fella. And he goes, and I've seen others trying to get out. See, they were held. They were held in bondage against their will. They didn't know any better, but they had been chained. They had been shackled in. But yet, this young fella wanted to get out of his shackles. And he got out of his shackles. Yeah. I can think of a few people right now that's across this country right now that are getting out of shackles, Brother Tim. And you find out they're really good people. Yeah. Really good people. And I hope you're listening tonight. And then he says, I've seen others trying to get out. He goes, and someone pulled me away. <laughs> and I looked and it was a lady standing over here when I was a little boy and I used to haul groceries for, at the, from the grocery store to the, to the people's and she said, Brother Branham, deliver us from this. This is a house of hell. And said, you've been misunderstood and, you're, and you've misunderstood these people. These are fine people. And he goes, and I looked over like a great big cellar, big walls down beneath the great big cave and great iron bars, eight to 10 inches thick. Let me read that again. Notice the bondage. It's next to impossible to escape. Great big cellar, big walls, down beneath the great big cave, and great iron bars, eight to ten inches thick. People out of their minds, twisted arms and legs, beating their heads like that. And she was crying, saying, deliver the people, Brother Branham. And said, help us, we're in trouble. Notice now, and he says, she herself, I know her. She, I believe, 
she belongs, I believe, to the church of Christ or the Christian church. So what did the church of Christ believe? No emotion. No excitement. Days of miracles has passed. Be very reverent in church. Can't do this, can't do that, can't do this, can't do that. Held in bondage. Held in bondage. But people, people are wanting to be free. People don't want to be held into that situation where they can't express the liberties wherein Christ has made them free. You can't do this. And he said they're going out of their minds. Twisted arms and twisted legs, beating their heads, wanting something different. Wanting to be free. And he goes, and I looked, and they were beating their head like that way out of, like that out of their mind. He goes, and then I seen the lights flicker around in there. Oh, and I looked up, and there stood the Lord Jesus with the lights of the rainbow around him, and he was looking right straight at me. Deliver those people, and he went away. And I thought, well, how could I deliver them? I haven't got the strength enough in my arms to break those bars. So I said, house of hell, give way to the name of Jesus. And all the cracking and popping and the rocks rolling and the bars are falling, and the people screaming, delivered, and screaming at the top of their voice, and was all delivered see what we've witnessed in our day church is some flickers of light flickers of light the Holy Ghost once again vindicating himself the same yesterday today and forever the light of truth is flickering in the ministry of God called men and the same Lord Jesus is compelling the ministry today deliver the people deliver the people deliver the people. And I'm so thankful tonight that there's anointed men on the field who remain faithful to the word of God and to this message. And they preach freedom. They preach deliverance. They preach the infallible word of God. Men who are not injecting their own ideas or own beliefs, but they're staying with what the prophet said. They're proclaiming in the face of the prison bars. They're proclaiming in the face of man's ideas and man's interpretation of the word in the face of false doctrines, in the face of the false anointed ones that we have returned to Pentecost. And we are determined to be free. And I say, house of hell, give way. Give way to the name of Jesus, the name that's greater than all names. And at the very mention of that name, every spirit has to bow. Home to musicians to come. See, it's the feast of freedom. What does it do? What does the feast of freedom do for a man? It reminds him that you're not in Egypt. It's a memorial. It's established in the word that you are free. It liberates him from error. It breaks the hold that false teaching and incorrect teaching has on him. It frees him to worship. It frees him to rejoice. It frees him to shout and give a response to the word. It gives him a dance. It gives him victory over all his enemies. Just play something. Brother Mike, whatever you got on your heart, I'm going to end it with this. A few years back, there were some residents, residents, <clears throat> excuse me, in Pensacola, Florida, they were, the residents began to get disgruntled. 
They began to complain. They began to murmur. Because they had, you know, in, in Pensacola, there's a naval base there. And about once a year, they had this great big mock war and where they're practicing anti-terrorism tactics. And so they got the planes in, they got the boats in, they got bombs dropping, they got simulated flights and the, the jets are flying over and they're, they're simulating battle and they're dropping bombs. And in the Gulf of Mexico, there's all these ships out there. They got destroyers out there and they're shooting bombs and they're shooting this and they're shooting that. And it's boom, 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 and jets roaring and, and men shooting and men screaming. And you know, people, you know the people that have to go to work, they got to find a different route to go to work. People that want to go out there on the, on the weekends to enjoy the beach and enjoy the Gulf of Mexico, they couldn't go because they got all these war games going on. And the people were just a little bit crumpy. They got a little bit upset, Brother Aaron. But you know what the admiral of the naval base did? He posted a sign. It said, excuse the noise. That's just the sound of freedom. Excuse the noise tonight, just just the sound of freedom. And men want to say the days is miracles is over. Men want to say God don't do those things anymore. Men want to criticize prayer lines and criticize altar calls. They want to criticize our excitement and our emotion. They want to criticize our run. They want to criticize our dance. They want to criticize our shouting. They want to criticize this. Let me tell you, I was once held in sin, but now I'm free. I was once held in denominational barriers, but now. I'm free. I refuse to go back to prison. I refuse to go back to bondage. You may be uncomfortable with my dance. Let me tell you, you may not like the way I worship. You may think I'm too loud. You may disagree with my shouting in church. You may think I praise the Lord too much. You may criticize me and complain, but I want you to know, you that are here, you that are online, that's just the sound of my freedom. I'm free to worship. I'm free to praise God. You can't put me back. I ain't going back to your tank. I ain't going back to your sin. I ain't going back to your bondage. I am free. And my joy and my shout and my dance is because I'm free. I've been made free, not by man, but I've been made free by the blood of Jesus. And I refuse to go back. Church, celebrate your freedom. It's a feast, a feast of freedom, a celebration. 